Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Anthony. This is Daniel, and we're excited to have you here. Dan, do you know what today is? Uh, I believe it's a Friday. Accurate. Do you know what else it is? Um, I know it's not your birthday. It's not my birthday. Almost as good, though. It's kind of a tepid day in general. I don't know. <laughs> if you've been outside today, it's like negative 18. Yeah. No, that's a that's a tepid day for sure. Yeah, it's, it's it's not fun outside. If you are not in the Midwest, just stay out for the next couple <laughs> weeks, maybe <laughs> month. Just stay away. Yeah. I'm leaving for Antarctica in less than a week, You're, and it's going to be like the Bahamas. Yeah, I mean, it's summer there, right? Everything's it's, the opposite. I looked at the weather today. The South, South Pole is negative 30, but where we're going to be is like 40 degrees. So that's pretty cool. Wow. That's way warmer than what I'm dealing with here. But no, that's not today. Today is 2-3-23. Do you know what that makes this day? It makes it Michael Jordan Day. 23-23. Oh, okay. I, was, I was starting to think about that Jim Carrey movie with the number 23, if there's some reference. Hmm. But I don't know that one. No, I'm not into sports, so I didn't. my brain didn't go anywhere near that. Yeah. I that just happened realm. to be in the gym this morning, looked up at the TV, and they're doing some special on ESPN because it's Michael Jordan day. I was like, Oh, two, three, 23. That's kind of cool. Cause well, his number was 23. We should tag him in this episode. I'm assuming he hashtag listens. MJ. Yeah. So Michael, um, given your resources and you know, your network, you probably don't need to be going out there and buying real estate, um, actively yourself. So if you're looking to deploy some capital in the Midwest, you Got know, you. Which, where, where you like to be, um, I'm here for you. Got you. Also, if you just want to hang out, I would love it. Uh, so if anybody has a connection to MJ, you know, you know how we like, we're all th- six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. I like to think that I'm closer to MJ. Like why Kevin Bacon? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the internet meme. Oh, it was like, it? yeah, back oh. like 20 years ago, somebody, like somebody did some math on it and how, and it was like, Hey, we're all like. Everybody on the planet's like six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. And I was well, like, I think you're six degrees from any other person. Pretty much. So you can six degrees say, is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of people. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so that has nothing to do with the, the podcast or anything. But uh, if you are an MJ fan, then, you know, woo. And let's talk real estate. Let's do it. Okay. Before we get into our tepid takes, which are not hot takes, they're not cold takes, they're just, you know, they're lukewarm. Dan and I have no clue what these what these headlines say. Reed has generated these. Maybe they're not even real. They could just be AI generated. He might have just gone to chat GPT and said, like, make me a bunch of false headlines. Is this all fake news? Reed? I wouldn't know. This could or be fake. Just this, like most of it. This could be all this could literally be fake news. You couldn't hear Reed, but he had a good he had a good zinger there. He said all news is fake, and that is that Ooh. is accurate. That is. That's cynical. Nailed it. <laughs> Very cynical. You too. <laughs> All right. I'll be the I'll be the rainbow and sunshine guy over what here. You got? All right. Uh, before we do this, should we do our bad investing advice? Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, cash is trash. Uh, don't have cash. Um, you know where I'm going with this already, right? 
I feel like you phoned this one in a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Well, Cash is trash. I was, I was looking at all like the high yield savings accounts right before I came in, actually, and it got me thinking. Um, this might be a good thing because we've been poo-pooing cash for so long. It's like, oh, if your money's in the bank, you're so stupid. I'm getting 3.7% on a savings account right now. You could do 4.1 if you want to <laughs> try a little bit harder. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's worth trying much harder. No, but I guess the point is, like, um, with everything that's going on right now, like, cash isn't that bad, and you can actually earn yield on it. There's a few ways you can do it. High-yield savings accounts, which, you know, a few years back, um, they were good, and then for, like, the last three years, they were Bad. Not existing. They, they heard nothing. Um, but yeah, now they're uh, ranging anywhere from like high twos to even low fours. Um, various banks have different uh, rules and little nuances about them. So shop around. But there's, there's you know, five or ten uh, halfway decent options out there. And then treasuries, bonds, all that stuff starting to make sense again. So if you got some cash, you know, don't need to deploy it into, you know, a risk asset per se. You can just get some interest while you wait. Yeah, you can get interest and still maintain a fairly high level of liquidity. Yeah, especially right? with the savings, you know, if you don't want to lock it up. Um, and I think that's really important right now. This is funny because we did a, a video recently on YouTube where we're talking about what we're doing going into like this next part of the cycle, uh, given like maybe recessionary, you know, worries and whatnot. And the the takeaway is, hey, we're stacking cash for liquidity. So we have dry powder to go after opportunities. And then two, we're also stacking cash. Uh, for reserves, just, you know, because you never know how operations are going to fare when people are out of jobs, maybe they can't pay the rent, all that stuff, right? And so we made those two points, stack cash for liquidity, stack cash for reserves, and a guy goes, isn't that pretty much just the same thing? Like, well, yeah, it's cash in a bank. Yeah. It's what you use it for. It's We're, not actually two different things. It's just two ways of describing the same practice. Yeah, it's but, just cash in a bank. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but the... Um, Payroll numbers came out uh, today, and they were like blowout good. So that all that concern about all the the layoffs and stuff it hasn't come to fruition yet. Mm, like, interesting. Um, things still look really good from an employment perspective. So, well, employment's just been so high for so long. I mean, here in Minnesota, Minneapolis in particular, it's sub three percent. Like, yeah, you could. We're kind of always like that, though. Totally, like, totally. But you could lay off. That means that you could lay off a lot of people before like really meaningfully moves that number into an area where we're even back to like historical averages. So yeah. just saying, don't be in tech. Maybe you get into real estate. Um, okay. let's, these, well, uh, let's let's take a look at what we're dealing with here in these yeah. tepid takes. I am seeing these for the first time. Twitter sued by landlord for allegedly failing to pay rent. This says a commercial landlord is suing Twitter for breach of contract after the company allegedly failed to pay rent for one of its offices in San Francisco. What do you think about that? Whoops. Oops. Checks, Checks in the, the mail. mail. <laughs> yeah. How do you know we're landlords? We've heard that, We've heard that one before. It's, here, here's the secret, guys. The check's never in the mail. <laughs> here's, here's my initial reaction to this. When you're dealing with this type of tenant, uh, like, Twitter, um, like, why even bother suing them? Like, totally. if they're not going to pay you, they're not going to pay you. It doesn't matter what the lease says. And they're probably going to pay you, but they're just, you know, a little disorganized. There was a little bit of a shakeup there recently. So if a payment was missed, but, like, don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you, like, own, like, a building that has a target in it, like, it doesn't matter what the lease says. I'd be curious. If they wanted to not pay you, you're screwed. They're not going to pay you. And it's yeah. going to take you a long time to get that money back. But the, I'm curious. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Elon is the type of guy who's like, you know, we need to crunch the cash flow numbers and we're, we'd rather, you know, pay the, the legal fines and everything and kick this can 
six months down the oh, road. Yeah. Like oh, he's scrappy. Like he's super scrappy. So that's the type of move where you're like, all right, you give me net thirty, I can push that to net ninety before you start coming after me. Hundred percent. Right. And yeah. so Elon's that and by type that of dude. Point, they're probably going to be cash flow positive. I don't know, but they're not now. So exactly. So I don't know what the situation is here. I would not be surprised if this was actually a calculated maneuver on Elon's part to yeah. somehow like this wasn't a mistake. This, this was, was not like we'll clerical pay error. This guy this month, and then next month we'll skip him. We'll pay this other guy. It's, it's everyone it's, who's been broke knows this game. The, it's so. paying one credit card with the other credit card, yep. right? Like you're you're just been shuffling. There. It's funny when like the richest man or like one of the richest men in the world is is pretty much doing what we all did in college. To the tits, like he's. Totally. He's totally wealthy, but always completely strapped for cash because he's always leveraging everything 150% and putting it into whatever. Totally. So. Well, the, the money has never had like any utility to him. Like if you look at his lifestyle generally, like yeah. he lives very austere. And so for him, so of course he's going to leverage to the tits because he believes like very highly in what he's doing. And he's the type of guy who's totally okay going to zero as we've seen like <laughs> countless bets at Tesla, SpaceX, yeah. like, so many times this man's because he can make it back somewhere else so fast. Totally, it's like all right. So let's this, keep going. Th- he this is actually a really interesting thing with him, where it, it's like the the modern manifestation of the fact that there's infinite upside and only so much downside. He's playing this game where yeah. he's like, listen, I can go to zero, but I can't go. You can technically go lower, but like, but like he's like, you know, it's it's a cap downside. I'm not. Nobody's gonna come after me, put me in jail, and like kill me. And so he's like, let's roll the dice and see if we can get to the Mars. I'm into it. All right, number two. Another Elon Musk. Okay, headline number two. Elon Musk's Twitter ordered by officials to properly label bedrooms in San Francisco HQ as sleeping areas or convert them back to offices within 15 days. So the the note here says it was observed that some of the conference rooms were being used as employee sleeping or rest areas, according to the notice. Beds were present. Uh, This is... Again, not surprised. This is scrappy startup territory. Like nobody's ever gone to a, to a startup and been like, "Hey, Mr. Founder and Mr. CTO, like you can't you can't sleep under your desk." Like those are the stories that we love about Jeff Bezos and like these old these old guard wars. Like they just lived in the office. And yeah, and I'm trying to figure takes. out who the officials are. <laughs> like it, it doesn't say city because that's usually when someone comes into a building and starts telling you to do things. It's usually a city person but it says like building officials like is this the same commercial landlord that's suing them for failing to pay rent yeah this guy just sounds like a dick so this is probably what it is is elon's like okay fine you're saying i can't have my bedroom conference rooms i'm not gonna pay rent i would not be surprised there's there's something going on here (laughs) no one can i mean unless you're trying to like lease out a, a a conference room as a a living quarters in the city's piss i can see that being an issue but like he sleeps on the floor at Tesla. Like everyone's always sleeping at the office at his places. The fact that they like, put up a bed to make it at least more comfortable. I mean, we we use this office and we use this podcast room to yeah. sleep sometimes. Like, you know what I bet this is? I bet like when he took over, there were like a whole bunch of like Twitter people, like uh, employees that like hated it. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised if the, these guys are just like throwing out these stupid stories to try to make him look bad. I could. I could see that. Because this one's, this one's dumb. This one doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be anything here. All right, number three, multifamily starts drop 19%. Okay, that's a bad sentence. Multifamily starts drop 19%. Construction starts? Did you have extra words here? No, I'm just saying like there's... Multifamily construction starts drop. Starts. Oh, oh, okay. Multifamily projects 
No, there's no other word there. It just starts like when a project starts. Like it's like how many things, uh, like how many things broke ground. Those are called starts. Oh, so it starts. I've never heard that. There were 19 less projects started than there 19%. were. 19%. We got to read month the rest over of it. Month. Okay, month let's, over let's month. get into You read this out to me because I'm, I'm feeling like an idiot reading this. this okay. Uh, my so comprehension's low. Anthony okay. starts for this month dropped by 19%. With two or more housing units, but not single families. I haven't okay. read anything else. I'm still going here. Oh, that was that <laughs> was in the first sentence. So <laughs> no, For our listeners, they're like, "What the is happening one. here on this one?" All right, this is the most tepid of all takes. All right, here we go. Uh, starts for properties with two or more housing units dropped 19 percent month over month in December to a seasonally adjusted rate of 473,000 units, according to the U.S. Census Bureau and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So basically, um, a lot less projects uh, broke ground. No, 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 no. Because the rest of this, this is a stupid story. This is an example of a story that I hate where they're like, uh, multifamily starts drop 19% year over year. But then if you keep reading, it says construction is up 25% increase over the last year. And for the first time since the Great Recession, we saw um, over half a million units um, break ground. So, like, if you look at it from a a year-over-year or even a decade perspective, it's still a ton of growth, but it dropped 19% month-over-month. So I will say why that's noteworthy is because since the um, new development space is a much longer timeline, Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of projects that have been going on while interest rates have been rising, but as new projects are... to start a lot of developers are saying hey no this doesn't pencil at six percent seven percent so the fact that the starts are dropping i think is it matters a lot more than the fact that the last year has been great because they were still operating at three percent for last year totally so it's not until now that the new high rates are actually impacting developers and this is probably something that's going to continue for the rest of the year i i that's my next question is i'd be really because this is only for december i'd be really interested to see does this trend continue? At yes. what at my, what rate will it continue into January? Yeah, my guess is it will until rates start to drop because things that make sense at three percent usually don't make sense at seven percent. So I wonder, hey, Reed, as we're talking through these next type of takes, Google and find out. See if we can find January's starts and see see what kind of numbers we're dealing with here. Because I'm I'm like actually kind of curious now. Google uh, Fred. Throw the word Fred in there when you Google it, and you'll get the. Uh, um, census data from the government. I think it's St. Louis Fed. There's a guy named Fred. That's it's called it's called the Fred keeps, database. Yeah, that's where you get all the really good data like the, that. The juicy data. All right, let's move to tepid take number four. Mm. Office conversions will soar this year. So very different, uh, very different take than the previous. It says apartments have constituted one third of office con- conversion activity since 2016, making them the most common reuse option according to CBRE. In that time, approximately. That doesn't matter. Okay, so this is this is we actually saw this um, in an article here locally in the Twin Cities recently, where they bought this uh, this building downtown St. Paul, and they're converting it. And I was fascinated by this because we had done a previous episode. We don't play in these waters of like office conversions, so we were curious, like how much is the all-in cost to like buy one of these you know tall towers in a downtown area and then convert it to multifamily? And crunching the numbers on this one. They're opening like 220, 30 units and we're like converting this office into 230-ish multifamily units. And like the per door price, 
after you factor in buying the pre-existing building, doing all the renovations and the reposition, it was like 25 or 30 million. It was way less than I would have ever expected, which in this market, it it worked out to being like 200 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was crazy. The the reason this makes sense, but the development stuff per the take right before this doesn't is because you're able to steal office buildings. Like if you, and that's what happened on that. They bought that thing for dirt cheap. That's why it works. Like you can make it work at seven, 8% interest. If you get the asset at a, uh, uh, basement discount price, which I think you can do in, in office right now because it's it's struggling. And even in the markets where it's actually coming back, like New York, I just heard uh, earlier today that um, average occupancy in, in Manhattan for office buildings is up to uh, 56%. Ooh. Yeah, and that was, everyone was like excited <laughs> that's about that. That's a good that, number. That's basically like where these guys are at. So when they're selling, they're selling for cheap. New York is kind of a crazy city to me. Yeah. If you think about like how massive of a city it is and how important it is for so many reasons and how much money is there. But then you look at the underlying fundamentals of like the the legislation there, the yeah. the landlord tenant rules, the office situation. It's it's remarkable that New York is even like around <laughs> at this point. Well, it's really, really small and everybody wants to be there. So Supply and demand, right? I don't want to be there. There's only so much Manhattan, and even though it's it makes no sense from you know all those for those reasons you just mentioned, people still pay. Still more buyers than sellers. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. No office tenants though. No, no, because if you're if you're an office person, you you make that decision less off of the the gravitas of living in New York City, like a personal decision where you're like, okay, I can't afford to be here. Like we need to, we need to cash flow because we're a business. Mm -hmm. Let's go somewhere else. Like Minneapolis is, which is why we have more fortune 500 companies by capita than any other city. So toot toot, take that. We might be 18 below today. We got jobs, but uh, we got jobs. Yes. All right. Let's take a look at number number five And, and Reed. Did you find anything? Damn it, Fred. Come on. Yeah, there's usually like it a could month be a bit, or two yeah. lag on this kind of data, at least. Yeah, so. I was hoping that maybe they just had the data that you could interpolate. Yeah, we got shot They down. probably didn't re- Reed, write an article yet. Reed shot us down. Damn it, Reed. Okay, number five. He tried his best, people. You know. It's Fred's fault, not Reed. Uh, St. Louis. I think. Is it? It's usually St. Louis, Fred. Yeah. F-R-E-D stands for something? And the St. Louis Fed? Well, no... I don't know what Fred stands for, but it's the St. Louis Fed for whatever reason that yeah. has that database. Yeah, I don't There's know why. I don't know something why it's from Louis. like 1890 that resulted in Fred being there. Anyways, let's go. Let's keep going. All right, number number five. White House looks into tenant screening practices and rent increases. It says. The FTC and the CFPB will contact inf- collect information on topics such as tenant background checks, the use of algorithms and tenant screening, the provision of adverse action notices by land. Okay, so this is just the White House is looking into making sure that um, probably people aren't being discriminated, that there's fair rules around what we can look at and what we can't look at from a, a screening perspective. The This always worries me because typically when... Um, legislators get involved with tenant screening stuff. They're always trying to protect the the resident and, and make it a little bit more le- um, restricted in terms of what we can look at. And it's well-meaning because it's all about the the resident first and saying like, hey, we want to give people an equal opportunity, get them into, into buildings that maybe they otherwise wouldn't qualify for. But the problem is 
if they don't qualify for the building, they can be a risk to the other residents. They can be an economic risk to the landlord. And so um, I'm not generally a fan of intervention, too this much also, of it here. This also doesn't seem like something that the federal government should be worrying about. This should be like a no. state, city, county level thing. Uh, it's it's strange that the White House, quote unquote, is looking into this. But um, it's, it's probably just a political PR thing to totally. say, hey, we care about you uh, low-income people. We're looking into this. I'm doing air quotes. Looking. Uh, I'm looking hard. That they just want to try to appease their demographic they want to focus on, I'm sure. All right, next one is $448 million loan backing 62 San Francisco properties goes into default. I, I got really excited about this one the other day because for those that don't know the story, when Dan and I first uh, announced to the world that uh, we were forming what is now Invictus, at the time we, we announced we are Veritas Capital. That was our first name. For like 24 hours? 24. Hours? Literally yeah. 24 hours later, I got a letter in the mail. Like, it's super fast. Saying, get with a cease and desist from Veritas Capital out of New York, which I guess was a billion-dollar company. Didn't think it would, didn't think it through. Um, they were a billion-dollar company. I say all this. That's exactly. <laughs> well, this actually is not the same Veritas. Oh. I looked into it. This is like Damn. Veritas Investment Group. So um, we don't get that URL yet? We don't get that URL. Yeah. But uh, but this one, when I saw this, I got really excited because I thought it was that group out of, out mm-hmm. of New York. And the thing was, uh, the lawyer was a dick. He was he was like, you need to give us your URL. And I'm like, you can buy it from me. And he's like, you're giving it to me. And I was like, I paid 20 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> I never ended up giving it to him. I, I ran the risk of them escalating we should we should circle back and be like yeah it's 25 bucks now to guess it's, the one it's gone up yeah inflation bro I, I eventually i didn't i didn't renew the url like yeah but i it had no value or use for it but anyway so this group out of uh california this is i believe they're the largest landowner or the landlord in the bay area is that right yeah reed's nodding so 448 million dollar loan backing 62 san francisco properties goes into default yeah, it's, I, from what I hear, I haven't been to San Francisco since I was a child, but from what I hear from an uh, economic and, and, and huh. real estate perspective, it's an absolute shit show out there. Um, oh, Bay Area? So, yeah. 100%. It's just, yeah, yeah, everything's going off the rails and everything's vacant. and Their offices, it's a, it's a ghost town. Everybody's yeah. going to Austin. You look at this. It, it, what's interesting about this is it said Veritas indicated they're not going to exercise their one-year extension option. So they have the ability or and they they have the ability to extend it, but they're also they're not doing that, and they're also not going to pay off the loan. They're like, nah, <laughs> now nah, well, we're good. I mean, why would you want to keep bleeding? I mean, just they just know they're like we're not, we're not turning this around in a year. No, like it's done. No, but it says they're interested in finding a partner to help recapitalize the properties, according to the rating agency. I don't even know what any of that would look like. This is the type of number that's so big uh, that I have a hard time conceptualizing what all is involved. Honestly. Yeah, it's a half a billion. So um, I guess you could, properties. you know, find somebody with some deep pockets and do a whole bunch of office to multifamily conversions. Wait. Not a bad play, especially in San Francisco. Assuming somebody who actually wants to live there right now. But it sounds like it's it's basically just overrun with homeless people and crime. Well, the plus side with San Francisco is that even though there's a lot of homeless people, a lot of crime, there are there's a lot of desirability, a lot of people want to live there. The reason I left the Bay Area is because there's too many people. But have you been there like in the last year? No, but the, but the thing is in San Francisco's always got kind of like a, a pretty heavy homeless and crime oh, yeah, it was vibe. like that when I was there, but yeah. it was kind of like part of the character when I was there. It was just yeah. kind of 
part of the thing. That's Gotham City. But I've heard like it's like yeah, like a million times worse. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, if people want to yeah. live there, that's one thing. But from my from what I hear about the the rental market, that's, that's a not big too big loan. Either. That's a big loan. That's a lot. Don't know what's going to happen with that. And somebody's going to pick up some buildings at a good good discount. Whatever bank that is. Yeah, it's, this, it says it's really Fitch, but I don't know who Fitch is. Uh, is. Is that a man? Is that like an organization? Fitch. Ah, uh, okay, he's a spokesperson. Well, those are my tepid takes. So how about you? You got anything else to add? No, I mean, location, right? Uh, so on this one, though, with um, the, the defaults, the one thing I'll say here is... Um, Sometimes it's better just to rip the bandaid off if you're bleeding. Like, it sounds like that's what they did. They're just like, this is the situation. Yeah. Like, not trying to keep kicking the can down the road, but damn, that's a lot. Well, people are going to be yeah. losing. But I, I will money. say on this one, too, um, the, I, if, on the very little I know about this, it was like, you know, two sentences. We talked about it briefly before. It's got nothing to do with the operations there. It's just like no. a shitty situation where that area just got kicked in the nuts and continues to get kicked in. Yeah. It, what's funny it's about San Francisco, and if you're from the Bay Area, you'll you'll kind of get this too, is it's like the city officials all just line up and kick each other in the nuts. And they're like, let's just see how bad how badly we can hurt each other. And mm. like it's it's so much of it is self inflicted. Yeah. That's the fascinating thing about San Francisco is like it is a fantastic city and it's almost as though they're like, let's see, let's see how badly we can mess this up. <laughs> That's, that's what I hear from people who know about that. So, all right. So those are our tepid takes. Don't take any of it seriously because we don't know what we're talking about. Like, I didn't see any any stories in there about Minneapolis, and that's really all I know. Nothing about Invictus. Nothing about Invictus. Well, those um, wouldn't be tepid. Those would be hot takes. Those would be toasty takes. Okay, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, you got a book recommendation? I just threw you on the no. spot there. I know you. Um, there was something I was, um, if you got one, I feel like there was something I was going to be. I don't got one. Uh, I have no books. I'm, I'm empty. But okay, so if you want a book recommendation, go to invictusmultifamily.com backslash notes. Oh. And that's going to take you to the sophisticated investor notes. When Dan and I used to do a series, there's like 30 in there. Yeah. We used to do deep dives into about 30 of our favorite books. And then we created like 10 uh, a little little one-sheeter infographic with takeaways. So I think it's backslash notes. It might be backslash investor notes. No. Uh, just notes. notes. Okay, so go check those out. You can download them. They're totally free, uh, and that's your book recommendation. Don't actually read any books. Go read our notes on the books, and then thank me later, or right now by going and leaving a review. Thank you. Okay, that's going to do it for us, guys. Dan, parting words of wisdom. Send us your book recommendations. We need more. There you go. All right. I need a good reco. Send us your books. See you guys in the next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.